Another hot sheet podcast. We missed last week, oddly enough, because of weather uh, up in Parrot Land in uh, the Northeast. But we are back. It's sunny here. I think it's sunny probably there. I'm Josh Norris in North Carolina. He's Jeff Pontus in Massachusetts. Uh, same duo as always, here to talk about the hot sheet. Jeff, how are you? Doing good, man. You know, not too bad. Uh, just just making it work. I uh, Cape Cod League is over, so now I'm in the throes of putting together the top 50 with, with Peter Flaherty working on some other stuff. Our in-season top 30 updates are done. That's a, it's a big relief off my back because I feel like the last, you know, month or so we've, we've done so much updating and work on these lists uh, to, you know, refine them. So yeah, man, it, uh, it feels good to be where we are and uh, looking forward to a strong finish to the season and, you know, digging in, in the aftermath, uh, you know, into the numbers and going back on video, et cetera. And, you know, I've been utilizing synergy a little bit more as I see they have a ton of minor league video now. So been uh, enjoying that. Nice. Well, it's, we're, we're nearing, we're in the midpoint of the last full month ish of the season, depending on which league you're talking about. And the, the minor league realignment staggered the season a little bit. We're in the last full week, certainly, of the complex leagues complex is at least the domestic ones end on August 22nd and then there's playoffs and then there's going to be a bridge league uh, between there and the uh, actual instructional league and AFL kicks off and yada, yada, yada. Um, And we are winding toward the end of our season. We're one of the final hot sheets of the year. And this year, this round, uh, uh, Kyle Glazer is on vacation. JJ Cooper is recovering from a, uh, some some stuff um he had <laughs> that landed him a pretty cool faux album cover um <laughs> so it was just the bear and parrot show on the podcast this week and jeff was the king the picker and at number one he picked uh the the well-known prospect super prospect of uh red sox outfielder willier abreu <laughs> so uh, Abreu's 24 uh, outfielder required in the Christian Vasquez trade last trade deadline alongside uh, Emmanuel Valdez. Um, Abreu's on the 40 man roster, but is yet to debut with the Red Sox. I think he could potentially be pushing for a call up sometime late in the season, especially if the Red Sox do sort of fall out of the playoff hunt, which I think is uh, sort of happening. Um He's hit pretty well this season. You know, he's had a good year. It's over 80 games, all at AAA Worcester. Hit 268, 385, 21 with 20 home runs. Had a huge week last week. Hit six home runs. um, Was 13 for 22. Had a couple of doubles mixed in as well. Um, You know, he had a three home run game to, you know, finish up the week on Sunday. Uh, But had home runs, I think, in four games throughout the series. So, um, consistently hit, um, you know, there's average-ish bat-to-ball skills there, pretty decent plate approach. He's a guy that walks at a high rate. Um, and I think, you know, those walk rates are more than just the the automatic ball strike system in AAA. And there is some power, and he, he has the ability to play all three outfield positions. I mean, I wouldn't have him in center field every day, um, but he's kind of a perfect left fielder that, you know, makes all the plays. There is some offensive upside. Uh, 
you know, he's on the Red Sox top 30. He's been in the Red Sox top 30. He was on the Astros top 30 prior to that um, and had a bit of a breakout last season. And I remember, you know, doing my work on the Astros system last year. One of the things that I always came away with was um, how many people internally had sort of raved about his athleticism, sneaky athleticism. He's sort of a short, stocky um, build, uh, kind of boxy, but I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, had he been American, he probably would have been like a running back in the SEC or something like that. You know, it just kind of has a good combination of like explosiveness and power. So um, though he's not a highly touted prospect and he's, you know, probably more of a second division regular type of a ceiling. um, I do think he's interesting just because he is a major leaguer, you know, probably very shortly and, you know, has some skills on the, you know, in the, in the, in the box that are at least, uh, you know, could translate to some production. Though, like I said, I don't think he's going to be a star or anything like that, but he's kind of a decent player. No, sometimes stars don't lead this. Um, we've had, you know, this, this isn't, as we say in every preamble, this is not a re-rank of any of our top hundreds or thirties or anything like that. It's who had a good week. Um, and <laughs> Willier had a good week. He did. Um, Another guy we uh, you, you may have heard of, actually, another guy n- n- number two who had a really good week is um, Jonathan Aranda, who has been in the big leagues. And as I wrote, I wrote his capsule. All he does is hit. That's all he does. He hits. He hits, and then he hits some more. He gets up the next day and he hits. Um, this past week, he hit five bombs, which a little little more than he usually hits in a week. But he's. Um, He's established himself. There's not much more he can do in AAA, I don't think, at least in the batter's box. The question is, does he have a defensive home? And so far, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> he's, you know, he's gotten a few cups of coffee here and there, but he's not, you know, found a, a, a regular spot for him in Tampa Bay. And I think a lot of that is simply because, you know, he doesn't have a really uh, obvious defensive landing spot. It's unfortunate, but right now he's just destined to mash for the Durham Bulls, and that's what uh, he's going to keep doing. He's not unlike um, a guy later down this list, uh, Michael Bush, who has little to prove outside of the, the Pacific Coast League, and uh, he's gotten a few cups of coffee here and there in Los Angeles, but doesn't really have a defensive home. And as such, he is, does not have a spot in the big leagues. If either of those guys could play fringe average defense anywhere, they would probably no longer be prospects and not be on this hot sheet. But for right now, they are going to rake, rake, and then rake some more. Like they're, you know, they're, like they're looking to take the groundskeeper's job. And if they uh, matched up in the AAA championship game here at some point this year, that wouldn't surprise me. But right now, those are just dudes who keep doing what they're going to do. They're both pretty much the same age, you know. I, I was looking at them the other day and thinking, you know, why can't these guys be like Ryan Mountcastle, just hitters without real great defensive home? But they're not much younger than Ryan Mountcastle, and Ryan Mountcastle <laughs> has 75 big league home runs to his name. So there might be even more uh, issues there for those two gentlemen. I didn't intend to talk about Michael Bush, but when you talk about Jonathan Aranda, you have to talk about his mirror image, and that is Michael Bush. Um, number three on this list, Jeff, is a guy I think most prospect fans know about. Uh, he went to Louisiana State, 
He was picked high in the draft. His name is Dylan Cruz. Have you heard of him? Uh, once or twice. I think I uh, might have come across the name. That was a beard, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The beard and the hair. Um, so, you know, big week from, from Cruz this week. It was his first full week, I think, uh, at the low A level. And, you know, just really performed. Um, had a couple of huge games. I think he had a, he had a five for five game where he got on base six times, uh, had a couple of home runs in that game, drove in six, um, had a four for five game earlier in the week. Um, just a really impressive showing overall. Um, it's digging in a little bit on him for an article that's probably going to come out tomorrow, uh, detailing some draftees and, and kind of breaking down stuff um, based on data and looking, you know, not just at the hard hit stuff and all that, but really kind of getting into the weeds of um, how players perform against different pitch mixes. And, you know, Cruz is, is um, a, he's a fastball hitter. He destroys fastballs. Um, his numbers against fastballs are honestly insane. His numbers actually get better when you raise the filter to 95 miles per hour plus. <laughs> his overall numbers actually improve. Um, does struggle a little bit with spin, actually, is something that I've started to notice. Those, uh, it's an area where there's been some improvement over the last three seasons. Um, but, you know, we'll whiff on sliders. We'll whiff on some curveballs. Um, we'll chase a little bit on changeups, but it's nothing, you know, outrageous. His numbers against all those pitches are actually still really good. Um, but it is, you know, sort of a, we'll say, sort of a, a you know, a kink in the armor or whatever you want to say that, there's definitely something potentially there. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think uh, it's 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 a player that's going to be discussed a lot, and I think that is probably going to be broken down uh, in great detail and overanalyzed a lot just because of what, you know, his hype was coming in as an amateur. Um, but there's skills here. I mean, there's bat speed, there's athleticism. Um, that translates to power. Uh, it's all fields power. Yeah. You know, like I think sometimes on his angles, he's not necessarily hitting everything, um, you know, hard in the air to his pull side, but uh, has the ability to hit a lot of different pitch types and do damage against them. And, you know, he does have that oppo power, you know, can drive it up the middle and can turn on stuff too. We saw that in that multi home run game where he, you know, he turned in a ball in the inner half of the plate and then the second home run was the opposite field. So yeah, I mean, they were both kind of, uh, kind of damage you however you want. He's going to get on base at an elite rate. Those both look like pretty cookie esque fastballs. That were, sure. Uh, he's in low A. I mean, I mean yeah, sure. that's the thing. Like, he's at low A. Like, he's supposed to do this. If he didn't, I'd be concerned. Yeah. But, I think, I think the performance being as good as it is, though, is a sign that number one, he probably shouldn't be there for longer than now. <laughs> like, I, I, part of me, like, is it's like, call, Promote promote this guy to 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 high A for two weeks and then promote him to Harrisburg. I mean, heck, you could probably, you know, send him to Rochester in the playoffs if well, you need to, if they're in the playoffs or not. Yeah, and I know Harrisburg would be incredibly fun and you'd hit their that promo staff would be losing its mind because you'd have uh Dylan Cruz and James Wood in the same outfield. Yeah. Just make sure those two boys don't collide. That would be uh quite that might be seismic um wilmington would be an interesting test because a it's a higher level of competition in theory and b that ballpark is cavernous um it's not the polo grounds but it's 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 certainly no cheapy he'd have to use all that power to uh 
get one out of there. That, that ballpark has killed many a many a quality hitter in its day. Yeah, I almost wonder, like, would you jump him just to Harrisburg? Because, like, no. right, right, right now, they have James Wood, they have Hassel, they also have Brady House. I don't know yeah. if you realize that he's on that roster as well. Yeah, he did. So, he is on that roster. But he really wasn't, you know, not gonna take an app. Well, he so could just, you know, do a little, do a little. Uh, I think, like, with with Cruz, uh, he's hitting. I mean, like. He should be in Double A to begin next season. There's no reason not to send him up there now. It'd be interesting, you know. Have the have the full outfield, you know. Have the little uh, Project Birmingham thing going in Harrisburg. Yeah, from Project. Uh, yeah, Project Harris. Project Senator. Project Harrisburg. Um, <laughs> yes, interesting. You you have the to senator to, solution. Yeah, you have to become a senator before you can work in D.C. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up this year. But my point was, like, Harrisburg, not Harrisburg, Wilmington would be a test for him just because of that ballpark. Um, I'll never forget watching them do a home run derby there at the All-Star game and them kind of just realizing that this wasn't going to work even before the thing. So they, they went to center field and they hit from center field into the bleachers behind the plate because we realized that no one was going to hit it out. Like... It was that kind of uh, cavernous there that you just like, no, nah, we're not hitting over the fence today. We're going to do this a little differently. Like Johnny Damon was there. I think he hit barefoot or something like that. I mean, he might have borrowed Jesse Winker's shoes, if I remember correctly. Um, it was very strange and impromptu. I, I also think the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo was there, which was pretty interesting, too. Anyway, I didn't expect to. Uh, that was just a, that was just a word salad, right? Have you not seen? Do you not know the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo? I do, but I just I never anticipated when we blasted off 13 minutes ago that that would be broached in this in this well, conversation. Then, but here my, we are. my new rule then is from every podcast here on out with you, I'm going to mention the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo in some form or fashion, whether it's in the intro, the sign off, or I work it in somehow. It's like. You know, when the, a couple of years ago, I think it was the Warriors tried to work in a certain word in every interview. It was very strange. Anyway, uh, point is Dylan Cruz had a great week. He's uh, um, he's not bad. He's not bad. He's probably uh, beating up on competition his, that is below his station at this point. But that is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm talking about Drew Thorpe. Well, no, but I'll do that in a minute. But, but what we have to do is take a break. Ah. We need to do that, right? now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. And before we talk to you about Drew Thorpe, which we teased before the break, we're going to talk to you about Junior Caminero, who is very good at baseball, which is good because he plays baseball. Uh, He had an excellent week this week. Actually, he really had an excellent doubleheader this week, quite frankly. Uh, Five of his eight hits this week came in that doubleheader, including one seven-inning game where he hit three home runs. He, uh, you know, my boy Jackson Chorio is, you know, the 19-year-old in that league who's getting all the plaudits, um, especially considering how he performed once they turned the baseball back to from you know a, a wiffle ball. But Junior Caminero has raked um, for about five eighths of his season this year. He's hitting over three bills at uh, at at Montgomery. Not quite, um, not quite the same level of obliteration of the competition that he had. Uh, with Bowling Green, where I think it was like an 1,100 ops this year. It's in double A, it's like 800 ops-ish for uh, Caminero. But he is, you know, he's been one of the bigger breakout prospects of the year and a heck of a get by the Rays um, in that Tobias Myers deal a couple of years ago, or a couple of years ago last year. Um, no, a couple of years ago. Either way, um, he's been fantastic this year and is, you know, now one of the very best prospects in baseball. But now, Jeff, I'm going to flip it on you. You're going to talk about Drew Thorpe. Because when I see Drew Thorpe, he gives up eight runs. I, I mentioned this. The same. <laughs> yes, I mentioned it the other day on Twitter. I have seen one of his starts this year. I have seen five, four or five, one of his starts and 23% of his earned runs, which is absolutely amazing. I did not know that was possible. That is a level of cursing players even I did not know I had the capability to do. Um, he finally got to double A, uh, and he was magnificent. Um, eight innings, I think it was like two hits, nine strikeouts, and no walks. Jeff, you've seen him slightly better than I have. Tell me what you thought. Dude, I saw him early in the year, and I, it's one of the few games where I didn't even use the video. Like... <laughs> he was pretty bad. He got he got he got lit up. So it wasn't eight runs, but I think it was probably like his second worst start. Of the year. So I guess well, I guess I'm gonna I'm I'm actually um I'm going to see Thorpe probably once or twice uh from the remainder of the season here because they are in Hartford, they are in New Hampshire. I'll definitely get the New Hampshire start, and they're in Portland, and I plan on driving up to Portland because they don't come to New Hampshire or part for the for the remainder of the season because uh, that Portland team is pretty stacked and I want to see some of those guys so um I'm probably gonna see him again so I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to withhold my opinion because it was way back in early May he got ripped up and uh you know my I I was pretty low on him you know um but the performance has been excellent and you know I'm, I'm willing to go back to the well give it another shot 
See what yeah, it's like. Like I said, I, I might get two looks, so I, I feel pretty good about that. You are going to have uh, those chances to see him. I don't think, unless he's in the fall league, I'm going to ever see him again. Um, I'll see him. I'll probably see him again next year, too. Yeah. yeah. Summer, I, I don't know what the schedules look like. I see there's, there's some um, 2024 schedules that are starting to come out. Like Altoona released it the other day. But uh, unless Somerset and or Scranton come down here next year, and that that Somerset coming to Richmond or Scranton coming to Durham. Uh, I got my one shot in Hickory, and uh, he gone. Uh, unless he winds up with a different organization, I think that will be the last time I see Mr. Drew Thorpe. And considering what we've just said about him and what happens when we watch him, I I guess you can't spell. He doesn't want you to be around him. <laughs> I, I guess, no, no. I I've been over this. I've cursed many a pitcher this year. Luis Perales and Whitelman Gonzalez are both. Very happy I'm not there. Drew Thorpe should be uh, high on that list, too. Uh, probably some other ones that uh, did not fare so well for me. Actually, speaking of Perales, I may see him at some point this week since the Fighting Greenville Drive are in Winston-Salem, otherwise known as Winston-Salem. Shout out John Manuel. Um, so, yeah, anyway, point is I saw Drew Thorpe. He uh, threw a lot of sliders and a lot of change-ups. And it unfortunately, he left a bunch of them in the middle, and they did what they're supposed to do with them. And in Hickory, it is not hard to do that to them. It's a, that's a pop-up is a home run stadium. So we will move on from Drew Thorpe, Jeff, and we will go to another draft guy who I might see this week, Kyle Teal, the University of Virginia catcher who I saw swing so hard his helmet came off. Um, he, he definitely can get that bat through the zone. Jeff, you probably have a little more insight than I do on him <laughs> than that. Straight out of Mawa, New Jersey, I believe, as well. But, uh, Teal is, um, you know, Teal I've seen a couple of different times. I saw him on the Cape last summer. I saw him with UVA uh, earlier in his amateur career. I saw him as a prep player as well. And um, really, really interesting um, athlete, you know, um, above average to plus athlete, actually. I think that's kind of sneaky. Um, and he's got plate skills. You know, this is a guy that does have bat-to-ball ability. He's got good plate approach. Um, it's an unusual swing, but he's getting into his power. And I think that will continue to grow as he, you know, ages uh, and has a, a shot to stick behind the plate. But he's kind of one of those catchers that if he got moved off of catcher and ended up in the outfield, a la Dalton Varsho or someone like that, he has the athleticism and twitch and ability to do that. So um, Keel to me is really interesting. It was a great performance. I think he opened up. Uh, he started the week in, um, I almost called it the Gulf Coast League, but the Florida uh, Complex League. I think he played one game there, was then promoted up to high A Greenville. And his first three games with Greenville had three hits in each of those games. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, when I look at him, I look at Roman Anthony and some of these other names that are in, you know, the A-ball levels uh, for the Red Sox. I'm kind of excited about next year, thinking that, you know, that Portland Sea Dogs team is going to be really, really exciting. And maybe there's even an outside shot that, like, by the end of the season, I could see Anthony and Teal for a few games, maybe a series up in Portland. Probably yeah, highly unlikely, but, like, I, you know, those guys should be in that roster next year. And, and you know, this Red Sox system is 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 – pretty exciting and i felt like they did a good job over the last two years finding some athletes and kind of getting away from just taking their standard hit tool guys you know like mikey ramiro notwithstanding who's 
continue to plummet down the Red Sox list. I think he's down to 19 right now. Yeah, no, um, I, as I mentioned, Greenville's here. And I wouldn't be surprised if those guys get to you. Just again, I mentioned it earlier, the way the staggered schedules work this year, yeah. their season's going to end. I don't, I'd have to look to see if they're in the playoff race. I know it's Somerset, the first half. I don't know who's going to get it for the second half. Um, but if they don't, you could easily bump some guys up for a week of, of preview. And when I talked to someone this year, mentioned part of the reason they do that is to get used to the competition, used to the new stadium, used to like, hey, maybe here's where you want to live at the Portland apartment complex that I've named so creatively. Um, you know, all, all those things, get those guys settled. I wouldn't be surprised, like I said, the complex leagues and the week from today, if you get an influx of those kind of dudes, um, you know, uh, trickling up to low A ball and getting a taste of that for a few weeks or whatever. Um, point is, I wouldn't be super surprised if you got those guys. Um, actually, it was kind of interesting the the guy we, who did not make hot sheet, who I am kind of interested to possibly see this week, um, is Noah Song. Like, uh, that guy, um, for as little pitching as he's done over the last few years, for obvious reasons, um, he's always a, a, an interesting draw. I'd, I'd be curious to see. Because every, every time, you know, when we got popped in the Rule 5, it was like, ooh, that was a great pick. And when he got, you know, DFA'd, uh, not, get, uh, not DFA'd. He was returned. Yeah, yeah. returned. You know, uh, I think he had to be DFA because I saw fans on my saying, ooh, come on, at my team, claim him. So yeah, I think he, I, yeah, um, he, he was DFA'd. He has to go through waivers and then was returned to the Red Sox. Yes. Yeah, so now he's back with the high A Greenville drive. And, you know, he and Perales would be kind of fun to watch and get on films. I did not expect I would ever, I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect he would play baseball again, quite frankly. Um, I figured you'd get him at some point. I, I had a feeling too, like when the pick happened and people were kind of like, oh, what a I move. Before the rule five pick, I meant like, I figured his career. Yeah, 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 sure. And like, uh, JJ and I, I remember talking at the Rule 5 draft and just kind of being like wishy-washy about it. Like, it's going to be hard to keep this guy. Like, he hasn't pitched. Like, this isn't like a guy coming off an injury, you know, where you're like, you know, maybe we can get him 25 innings and like coast him along. He needs to pitch. And I think it's good for him. I'm glad he's back in the organization and he's sort of back on a path where, you know, as long as he's not taken in the Rule 5 draft next year, if he's left unprotected again has an opportunity and he probably will be, I would think probably unprotected. Oh, there's another guy who I you know. almost guarantee you will be in the fall league. Yeah. I would he has an opportunity has an opportunity to get some innings and, and work his way back and you know potentially get back on track. You know, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, the I mean the fall league, which is say it with me, the greatest of all leagues, um, is really a good spot for rehab guys, which check the box for Noah Song. Uh, and guys who are auditioning for spots on the 40 man uh, before Rule 5 season check the box for Noah Song. So uh, that would be, I, I would be very surprised if you were not part of Boston's contingent this year. But that's just, that's not even informed speculation. That's just speculation. Um, we'll move off the hot sheet here for a second, and we will, well, not for a second, for the duration. You posted an article today because you went down to Florida. And you watched uh, some Blue Jays and some Phillies and some Yankees and Pirates. 
Um, no, I didn't see any pirates. No pirates. Yeah, just just the ones on the ocean. Yes, yeah, I just saw the four, you know, tigers and fillies, which was in my previous article. Uh, yes. From last um, week, and then uh, today detailed some Yankees and Blue Jays. So, detail for us some Yankees and Blue Jays. Yeah, well, I think the biggest name here, um, just from a, a helium standpoint. Um, is Harry Lalane. I know that you had him as a helium guy a couple weeks back. Henry. Um, huh? Henry Lalane. Did I say Harry? Uh, you Henry, did. Excuse me. Henry Henry. Henry. Henry Lalane. Um, it still sounds like a name from like the 1950s. But he's a big old left-hander. I think he's six foot seven, six foot eight. Um, fastball set 93, 96 miles an hour. Touched 97. Really good shape on that. Um, started off the outing that I saw with some command issues and then so all, all of a sudden just sort of locked in and just dominated for the next two innings um really was you know just way too much in terms of his three pitch mix for um you know the opposing blue jay squad did not have arjun namala in it at that particular uh junction neither of those two games but um you know just overwhelmed them with stuff and you know, depending upon which evaluator you speak with, they'll tell you that they like the changeup or the breaking ball more. Um, I think I probably lean a little bit more toward the changeup. Um, it was a good pitch. He landed it. Um, and, you know, the breaking ball is kind of slurvy. It's like 77 to 78, 79 miles an hour with two-plane break. Um, so it's kind of not quite a slider, not quite a curveball. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, he operated with all three pitches in the strike zone. You know, it was effective. Um, and probably was one of the more impressive pitching prospects that I've seen this year across all levels it was really, really, really an interesting, a really interesting name and kind of, uh, made my week in my trip down to Florida. Yeah. Um, I've heard, you know, I'm working on the, the FCL and ACL top lists. Um, I've heard that particular club is really, really stacked with, uh, you know, guys up and down uh, the level or up and down the, the roster, be their pitchers or hitters. Um, you didn't get to see Roderick Arias, who was in our top 100. Really yeah, he, he broke his um, pinky and he's you know out for the rest of the year. That would have been the crown jewel of the club. But you know, there's some other guys on there. I don't think you got to see John Cruz either, but no, he was out that entire like time that I was down there. Yeah, he hit two bombs last night and he is. As I noted in Bapper this morning, that's Baseball America Cross Report, uh, he now has the most home runs of any 17-year-old in the minor leagues. He just pushed past uh, Gian Zapata, I believe, of the Diamondbacks, and uh, a guy named Ethan Salas, who's pretty good. Yeah. He's, he's at high A. I was, pretty, uh, I was pretty upset that I missed him, honestly. What are, your, uh, what are your notes and feedback have on him? Is it just power? Is there more feel to his? There's, there's interesting there. There's there's power there. There's some there's some stuff there. I mean, he's not, um, he's he's interesting. I think. How does he good. fit? How does he fit amongst Montero, Delgado, and Tejada? Well, we'll see. I, that's one of the question I have to dig in a little bit more on. Um, quite frankly, so I, yeah. I hate to be a spoiler there, but um, that's going to be a real interesting one to sort out in the back of the 30 this year sure. i don't have him there just yet um but that that's not for lack of talent on that club you know so um you said you you mentioned that namala was not on in that particular game that you saw but you did see him because there's a photo of him on the website yeah so tell so, us yeah uh, 
I saw him the next day against the against the Phillies. Uh, he started at shortstop, batted second in that order. Um, I think it was a three nothing um, Blue Jays victory. Uh, was a pretty good performance pitching wise too. From uh, I think a nineteenth rounder out of the uh, Indiana prep ranks last year, twenty twenty two, engaged Stanford, who was a guy I wasn't all that familiar with, but it was kind of interesting. But Namala. Tons of bat speed. It jumps out to you immediately. One of those guys, the first time you sort of see him swing the bat, you're like, okay. Um, every, you know, got on base twice in that game. Um, it was a seven-inning game, got up to bat three times, and, you know, hit the ball hard both times. One was a double to the wall that I thought had a chance of going out uh, to left center and then hit another ball uh, out to left field that was uh, right on the warning track. Ball just jumps off the bat, um, tons of backspin on it. You know, he's, uh, it's funny, I kind of threw a comp out there that I could see him being not all that dissimilar from Elvis Martinez in the sense that tons of bat speed, there is some bat to ball ability there, um, probably some approach, but I could see there being a little bit of swing and miss and maybe some swing decision concerns as he goes through the lower minors uh, and matures over the next year. Um, not the best shortstop. The actions were okay. Um, made a couple of uh, blunders in the field while I was there. Um, but, like, you know, enough to play in the infield. I just don't know if he's necessarily a shortstop long-term. Good arm, though, uh, which is kind of similar. So, yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting player. I think, you know, a bat-first infielder probably uh, in the end. And I know that there are some hit tool concerns with this guy. I only got him for one game, so... I'm just kind of going to go with the eye test sort of stuff in terms of like how he looks and feels and, you know, the quality of contact and some of that stuff that I saw and leave it to Carlos and others who have, you know, far more history with the model than I do in terms of the quality of the hit tools. So, you know, I think kind of putting that together, you know, the opinions of those that have come before me and then my looks, I felt like I was able to get a pretty good idea of like, okay, like this is, this is probably someone who's in that range of like, you know, or Elvis Martinez. I did have somebody internally within the organization competent to Carlos Correa. I'm um, just saying that it's all these raw tools. And like, I think that he could come together and be, you know, and could become a really good defensive shortstop and, you know, a better hit tool, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's probably a little lofty, um, but I think it maybe gives you a gauge of like the, you know, um, the sort of range of outcomes there with him. But yeah, an interesting player and definitely somebody that, uh, I'm excited to follow and cover over the next couple of years. Nice and in, nice injection of talent of the Blue Jay system here, which was much, much needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll close by, um, you know, as we always do, kind of what's your week look like? I've mentioned before, ACL, FCL, top tens. Um, there's a lot of teams in here uh, this week. Uh, Lynchburg is in Fayetteville. Um, and they've got, you know, Fayetteville has uh, Bryce Matthews and Luis Baez. Uh, and Lynchburg has Jackson Humphreys, a Barrow guy in the Guardian system. Uh, Greenville is in Winston-Salem. They have Kyle Teal, Luis Perales, Roman Anthony. Um, Durham is facing Gwinnett. AJ Smith-Shawver goes tonight. Uh Bowling Green is in Greensboro. They have Carson Williams, Chandler Simpson, Yoniel Caret. Uh, Greensboro, since last I saw them, has gotten Termar Johnson. Um, Bobby Chandler's still there. Um, 
Thomas Harrington still there. Um, and I'm missing someone else. But yeah, those guys are there. And I think that's mostly it. Canapolis or Carolina's in Canapolis. Um, and down east is somewhere else. So that's, that's what I have around here um, for the, the last, well, the second to last week of this, the middle week of August. Cool. Nice. I uh, I only have one. I guess I could go to Hartford to see New Hampshire, but those series always feel so redundant when I'm like, I've seen these both these teams so many times. <laughs> I don't need to see them play each other. Um, so uh, my plan is to probably go to Worcester for a couple of these scranton Wilkesbury games. They have a couple of pitchers that are kind of interesting, obviously, at the triple, triple A level, a couple of hitters. So, yeah, we'll see. I'll probably maybe, you know, shoot over there. Those are quick drives for me. Uh, about 15 minutes each way. So um, I'll probably head over there for like two or three games this week. Probably won't shoot a ton of video, just more to, you know, sit there, catch some games, see some players a couple of times, talk to some scouts and some front office folks and, you know, do some due diligence as we're heading into handbook season. It's a short way away. So yeah, going to be a quiet week here, but then I think over the next couple of weeks, I will have uh, Binghamton, uh, I'll have three opportunities actually to see them. I'll see Portland. Um, I'll see Somerset again. So I, I will be getting some good looks. And now that, you know, Cape Cod League's over, so I don't have those fill-in games like I've had for the last month or two. Well, that's uh, that about puts it in a bow. And you're right, handbook season is approaching. I believe there are 130 days until the book goes to press, uh, which is a scary number to say, uh, considering, you know, we're starting from zero here. Um, for Jeff in Massachusetts, I am Josh in North Carolina saying thank you and, uh, see you next time.